Hello and welcome to another episode of Cybertech Talks, a podcast where we bring cybersecurity experts together for a conversation. In this episode, we hear from Zaza Handy and Aaron Card about leveraging network intrusion detection systems for incident response. Zaza works as a senior digital forensics and incident response consultant at NTT. Her colleague Aaron Card is a senior director for digital forensics and incident response for NTT. Zaza and Aaron discuss the benefits of using network indicators of compromise to detect attacks on the network. We hope you enjoy the episode. Aaron, we are here again for another podcast for Chris. Yes. Yeah, this is looking like a Christmas edition to me, even though it's not Christmas yet. But I'm feeling excited about today's podcast. I mean, the topic is uh, network intrusion detection systems for incident response use case. Uh, I know you'll be wondering why I chose this one against the other ones, but um, I've just reviewed most of the incidents that I looked at, we looked at in the past one year. And I'll I'll just say, oh, I wish people had network intrusion detection mechanism during that incident so that I could just pull all the active no raw communication, be able to extract malware from pickups, you know, be able to determine, even though, because with the host intrusion system, obviously I'm looking at one system and with your EDI, you can collaborate and gather if you're seeing bad. With this, I'm thinking, if for those systems where we don't have, we didn't have, you know, any tools in there, they did talk to the network. They went somewhere, they came back. So I would have, I would have seen them there. So I was just thinking, why not have a podcast on this to discuss the benefits of network intrusion and detection or even prevention systems and uh, make recommendations. And I understand I had on the grapevine that you have a kind of freebie for the listeners today at the end of the podcast. We do. There's going to be a freebie. <laughs> no merch. I didn't bring any t-shirts today, but uh, we'll do, we'll do, yeah, we'll do the freebie offer at the end here. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I, we, with the intrusion, network intrusion detection system, I'm not going, we're not going to be talking about details of, you know, how they work on that it what is on that technology, but we'll just touch on them. And but primarily I want us to I want the listeners to think about what network intrusion detection controls can do for them before an incident during an incident. You know what? Aaron, have you ever wondered why doctors do blood tests? Most of the time they tend to take your blood to check what is in it. That's how, that's my take on network intrusion detection. Like, it, it, it gathers a lot of information from different aspects of the network. No, that's a really good, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I like that. Well, until you hear the next one. <laughs> I also like it, it's like um, a fire alarm system, you know? I actually stole that idea from somewhere. A fire alarm system whereby you have your fire alarm in your house or your office to detect and warn you that is something about to happen, even when there is smoke before the fire starts. So if you don't listen to the warning, something serious could happen to the network. So that's how I like it. What can we detect with network intrusion detection systems? I've seen loads. 
I mean, we used to have this tool that we developed at NTT. We don't use that anymore now. Where where you detect all kinds of, you know, intrusion uh, artifacts, particularly command and control traffic, malicious connection, exploit kits, you know. So have you ever had to? I remember you said you used to work in a sock, not like a sock robot. You manage the sock system. Yeah, I've built them, managed them, uh, managed operations for a lot of large companies. Um, I, I think along with what you're saying, Zaza, uh, I like the analogy with the doctor taking your blood. I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good analogy. So if there's one thing that, uh, if I were listening to this podcast, the one thing that I would want to take away is that uh, the the thing that I learned years and years ago when I first started in security and security operations was that the network doesn't lie, period. The network will try to lie. It will try to lie to you, but it can't lie in the end. So uh, monitoring your network traffic uh, for anomalous behavior, looking for what you want to look for, whether it's uh, insider policy violation data, or if you're looking for anomalous uh, bad, bad actors on the network, uh, the network doesn't lie even though it will try to. So that's the number one thing that I would want people to walk away from, uh, I think. Yes. Network intrusion detection, um, if deployed and managed correctly, it's probably one of the top three things that I would have on any any network that I was responsible for protecting. Exactly. Uh, because oftentimes we have... Uh, Companies uh, deploying all these expensive EDR, all kinds of gadgets on the endpoints. They, they we keep having new technologies, you know, coming out. They are all good, and it's all defense in depth. But if I find out most times they do not deploy this everywhere. That is this, you know, neglected system somewhere where maybe a test environment, development environment, or even that old system that that new technology. Uh, cannot be installed, or so they leave it. They don't have any much compensating control on that system. But that system, when you install a system for the first time, it doesn't have any body except the code you used to install. It was bad from source, from mother earth. But we assume that they are clean on installation. Before something happens, the machine needs to talk to something or not. Something needs to talk to it or something needs to be dropped on it. When so, according to science, malware would like to, you know, hide, but it, it wants to run. So we get to detect that on the network, even though there were no controls on the actual endpoint. I'm talking about things like even data exfiltration. Consider the fact that when ransomware, before ransomware happens, you get to most of the attackers now they take the data out uh, for further ransoming and threats before they even deploy the ransomware. So early detection of, like I said, with the fire alarm system, early detection is one thing I love about this about network intrusion detection system. We have the protection system, but as, as you already know, most companies wouldn't, don't really like going down that path. So, I mean, if we, if we want to look at, as I said, I don't really think we'll, We'll be looking at every uh, all the technologies involved in network intrusion prevention, but we have the open source ones, you know, 
And then all of them, regardless of the vendor, regardless of the methodology, whether they are using signature base or anomaly base, you find out that the architecture tends to be similar. Something has to be sniffing to capture the traffic that will be analyzed for reporting or for further analysis. Yeah. So if you need me, I will do all the talking. You know me, I'm quite talkative, but hang on. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, along with what you're saying, I mean, um, network intrusion detection, it's been around a long time, right? Uh, it's it's yes. made improvements. They've done different things to it. A lot of companies package it up and call it something else. Um, the basis is, again, your network isn't going to lie. So you, you've got things that you want to look for that you apply to look for within that traffic, obviously. And then yes. the intrusion the system will alert you when it sees something like that. Or yes, it'll, exactly. It'll push an alert to your SIM or your SIEM, or if you have an MDR, XDR, that's going to be, you know, part of the feed into your um, incident detection and response. One thing I think yeah. people sometimes forget about is that IDS is also going to do a couple other things for you. So, um you know, kind of IDS on steroids, if you will, from a network perspective, is it'll do two, two additional things. So uh, a lot of them have the capability where it, it can either do packet capture on demand, where if it sees an alert or something you're looking for, it'll kick off packet capture and say, okay, I'm going to record uh, this traffic. I'm going to record this session for a certain amount of time or a certain amount of bytes, right? Yeah. Then, uh, then you've got that packet capture that can be analyzed or used as evidence, et cetera. The second thing is um, the, 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 a, lot of, uh, a lot of network IDS will do sandboxing. So if it's seen malware or some type of executable, or maybe there's even a URL, something that's going to require action be taken from a host, then it can execute that in a sandbox environment, whether that's local or in the cloud. So, and it can do that real time. A lot of them can. So if some type of executable code come across the wire, the network IDS can, it can grab that, push it to a sandbox, execute it in a safe environment and tell you if it's bad or not on the fly. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah, they also tend to, learn the environment where they are deployed in. That is why even when people want to deploy it in protection mode, it's always better to deploy in monitoring mode so that the system can study and learn what is normal for the environment. The, the, it's, a, it's an expensive technology, this is, because as you said, now building sandboxing, but even these days they have machine learning and artificial intelligence in some of the you know, top-notch ones. The, the deployment-wise, what I've got to say to our listeners on talking point two now, which is uh, the features and deployment strategy for this, think management, think sniffing. The, 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 the sniffing interfaces have to be in, an, in a location where they can capture actual traffic that is needed. If you position 
if you are looking for a particular type of traffic, maybe you want to, oftentimes people tend to deploy it, uh, outgoing internet traffic, and then, yeah, that is equally important or incoming traffic, but that, that is, these are all important, but there are other aspects of the network where uh, uh, folks should target when they are deploying the sensors. For example, I find that DNS traffic, DNS, a lot of companies don't have DNS log. You know how I know? Do you know how I know? Everyone ask me, ask me before I answer. Do you know how I know? <laughs> how do I know? Because I'm an incident responder, Papa. I do this work every day. And yes, I apologize to my customers that most of them are quite naughty. <laughs> they do not log sufficiently. When I see a company, rarely I see a company with DNS logs. But if you position your sensors in real time on the path of raw, naked DNS packets, you've got gold. Because why DNS is so, so important and pervasive. I mean, machines don't understand domain names, you know, IP addresses. We don't want to the burden of learning knowing all those IP addresses who work on domain name level, the URL. So regardless of what is going on, if a system is going to be talking to another system by SMTP, HTTP, FTP, if that system has a name, it will be resolved by DNS. It has not been known before. So that traffic, regardless of whether you have DNS log or not, if you position if that is the only thing we can do, just capture that DLS traffic with your sensor. That is ace. That you're gonna nail it because it will detect a lot of things from malware, URL, command and control traffic, you know, even covert traffic, because sometimes, not sometimes, most times these days, they use DNS to hide uh, the actual uh, data they are exfiltrating, like zone transfer traffic and the like. And they can, or they can use it to make, to make like a keep alive thing. So DNS traffic is very important. The other thing is um, internal network. You find that most people, most companies, uh, when they are deploying, I know the security architects are aware of it, but obviously maybe because of resources or risk, risk uh, appetite, they tend to not bother with the machines that are internal to the network. You know all the network systems. I mean, I keep saying this, my machine doesn't need to talk to my colleague's machine. So if you put your sensor in, within the visibility of the internal network, it will be able to detect things like lateral movement. Do you agree now? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Zaza. A couple points on that. So, I mean, yeah, DNS has changed over the years as far as an attack vector. I mean, it, it used to be... We're back in the day. It was DNS cache, cache poisoning, right? Everybody's worried about that. Pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was really my grandmother's time. I'm, yeah. I'm dating myself, but um, now it's. Uh, I mean, uh, DNS traffic is a necessary evil, if you will. Right? It's going to be on every network. Period. DNS has to be there in order for uh, a company to function, basically. Yes. So yes. Uh, now it's used for exfiltration, malware, everything else. So yeah, I completely agree uh, about what you're saying, the importance of DNS and logging it and monitoring and sniffing that traffic. The second thing is um, when you talk about placement and architecture, say with network ID, network intrusion detection, overall, um, 
I, you talk to a lot of companies. I mean, you know as well as I do. We go in and do incident response for a company, and you keep they keep talking about the perimeter. Well, we've got these systems on the perimeter. We're watching the perimeter, and I'm like, well, <laughs> these days uh, I don't care what some company is trying to sell you or what somebody is saying. There is no more perimeter. Period. There is no perimeter. There is no perimeter. There is no door. The perimeter has been gone for about, I don't know, 10, 12 years at least. Uh, yeah, I would say 12 years. I remember when my former employer started hyping on the cloud, the cloud, IoT, the cloud. Yeah, that was when it disappeared. Remote working. I, I think the perimeter is actually your users now. That's the way I look at it. Um, yes. It is a perimeter to your users, especially with... Uh, I mean, COVID, the whole pandemic thing over the last two years, right? Uh, 61% of organizations experienced a jump of 25% or more in threats, right? So that's over half of the organizations in the in the world experienced at least a 25% jump in threats and attacks. Um, and and when, you, when you maintain that perimeter, that castle mentality, once they're inside the castle, what are you going to do, right? So back to what you were saying, you've got to figure out what's important to you internally and then monitor uh, monitor the network traffic internally, maybe architecturally uh, in and out of your data centers or depending on how you're dividing. You know, in, the cloud, in the cloud environment. In the cloud, definitely. And then uh, back to this architecture thing, you mentioned remote access. You can imagine, you can't do, I mean, we have all these host intrusion mechanisms and controls that you can deploy within the on, on onto the whole endpoints. But for network intrusion detection, which is our talking point today, I'm thinking if we have all these thousands, you know, tens of thousands of remote workers who are working remote remotely, I don't think remote working is going to go away in the very near future. Yes, some companies are actually giving up their, letting up their buildings because they, they, they can see they're, they're saving a lot of money. But uh, how do we catch that traffic, that behavior? Because it's not just the traffic. The, the data that these systems collect, they get analyzed and they teach the analysts and the incident responders what happens over a period of time, what is normal, what is not. So it's not that the VPN traffic is encrypted. If you place that sensor where the traffic have not been decrypted, you will not be able to see anything. The threat will just pass and go. So we recommend if you are dealing with remote access uh, endpoints, remote endpoints, by please plan your architecture in such a way that you place the sensor at the point where the data have been decrypted on the network. Equally, that also goes for other systems. If you have SSL decryption, uh, uh, offloading for, for your proxy uh, or any other mechanism at the border, again, is at that point that you should capture. So place sensors on networks where you know there will be visible unencrypted traffic. If you have uh, if you have an industrial control system linked to your IT environment, put a sensor there to understand and let the network detect threats even some of the, we're going to talk about some of the examples, the open source ones, one like Zig, uh, which used to be Bro. I don't know why they changed. Bro kind of sounded more like, you know, oh, Bro. But they changed it to Zig, Zig, Zig. Well, I don't know the reason behind that. That can actually also check for vulnerability. 
So, without wasting much time, Aaron, you were telling me about snots about two, three weeks ago. Yeah. An, he, said that, he said at a minimum, people should be able to deploy that because it's free. Yeah, it is free. And uh, Bro was a good one. I know they call it Zeke now, which is funny. I used to have a dog named Zeke. Um, <laughs> uh, bro's, bro runs on Unix, Linux, and Mac. Uh, traffic logging and analysis. Uh, it's a little different than Snort uh, because it runs on the application layer. Uh, so it's give you the ability to track different services uh, through different OSI layers, uh, like HTTP, DNS, SMTP, SNMP, et cetera. Uh, it's signature anomaly detection, just like everything else. Uh, Snort, it is free. I've deployed it, used it many times in the past. Uh, Air Snort as well on the wireless side. Uh, it There's two different, uh, I mean, there's free and then there's paid. It's pretty. It's pretty cheap. I think. Uh, I think you pay per node uh, or per deployed per deployed node, not monitor. Yeah. Sorry. And then there's also. I mean, if you don't want to go the subscription based, uh, I mean, Snort has a large community, uh, basically open source, where people are contributing constantly. Uh, hey, I just wrote. So I just wrote these signatures. They're working for me, et cetera, et cetera. So I've used that in the past as well. Uh, Snort and Bro, which is now Zeke, I've used uh, Security Onion. Um, I've seen it and used it. I've never deployed it. Yeah, we don't we don't deploy. We just when they deploy, we tell them we chew logs and alerts. You know, they give us information we analyze. We don't deploy. <laughs> but having said that. Go ahead, Aaron. No, I was just going to say uh, I, I prefer Snort. I mean, a lot of people get scared away from it because it doesn't natively come with uh, a user interface, the graphic, you know, GUI, us old folks call it. So, but again, yeah. yeah, there's a ton of community out there, and people have created them and made them. You just download it and use one of those. So. Yeah, my I'm an in between kind of person. I always a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. I mean, politically and technology-wise. <laughs> so, Suricata, I tend to lean towards Suricata because it's got a lot of features built on top of what Snot already has to offer. And then he also does the anomaly and, and signature. And if you combine it, if you kind of leverage it with the solution with deep packet inspection, you get more out of it. You can detect more things like a domain fronting, and like I said earlier on, the cover C2 traffic and the rest. It's also, you, you are able to extract malware uh, from the captures that Suricata it does the same thing too. And yeah, Suricata is quite good. It's, it also runs on Windows. I don't like, I like Zeek because Zeek throws the kitchen sink at everything. Uh, it's more... It's more complex to deploy, but once you get it right, you are ready to go. And it should, it collects all this traffic. It doesn't like just do you know signature-based thing. It also does capture, but not full capture. So it tries to leverage, you know, produce what uh, will be meaningful uh, to the analyst. It's not something that the faint-hearted would deploy. It doesn't run on Windows. Most people like me, they like to install things on the GUI environment. 
Uh, I, 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 I up. Yeah. I've seen Suricata. I know that you like it. Uh, it it does give you a little more capability, I think, from incident response perspective. Uh, native, natively, I think it examines TLS and SSL certificates, and it also lets you uh, you can import snort signatures. So, yeah, exactly. And I see things like user agents. You know, user agents, uh, UI traffic. It tells me with the you know, with the rules, and it also does a bit of intelligence thing there. So, and you can import it, you can export it, you can, you know, interface it with other like There's an app for Strong, for Suricata, I believe. I've used that in the past. So, companies really don't have much excuse not to have at least one of these deployed. Because anyhow, you they will be able to detect, I mean, see to malware traffic, anomaly traffic. No, they may not be like 100% what you will get with the modern day, like my, the ones that have artificial intelligence and machine learning. But it helps. They, they help. If, if they can be deployed in an environment, uh, it helps me. When I see, I go, I go for an incident response and the customer tells me, oh, I've got this uh, next law, I've got this, I've got that same mm, juicy, nice, Really, really nice. If they now said to me, Oh, I don't have any of this, what do they do wrong? If they don't have, if they haven't deployed and we have to do an incident, which I thought most incidents are live. So even, even where that is going on, I have had to deploy to the cutter on the fly before for one case. Even you agree with, or even ordinary packet capture with Wireshark during an incident can pull that juicy traffic that we are interested in. Well, if you look at most of the companies we help, I mean, we get called and we parachute in, right? And they've already got a live uh, a live firefight going on on their network. Uh, if they don't have the capability, what's the first thing we do? We drop in uh, something to grab network traffic, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. We have our network uh, capture tool that we deploy in the environment. It's virtual machine. I'm going to come to, uh, we're going to talk about the cloud challenges now. But you just beat me to that. Carry on there. Yeah, you mentioned Wireshark, Zaza. That's, uh, I almost forgot about that one. That's, uh, it's free. It's easy. And uh, I mean, I can, I can teach my golden doodle how to operate it in about five minutes. So. Yeah, I've, I've had an incident. If I'm not too long ago, I had one crazy incident where DNS was misbehaving. I have never seen such a naughty DNS traffic before. It was just everywhere. It was just everywhere. And it was just deploying a packet captures at just in front of the DNS server. As it's coming into the DNS server, the domain controller, I said, capture these things for me. Let's see. Let's look at inside the packet to see what is going on. It helps a lot. And if, yeah, it, it, yeah, you do. Yeah, you remember sleepless nights, yeah? And then um, even packet capture would help about the other incident where we, we didn't, not just packet capture, network intrusion detection controls, which is what we're talking about. It would have helped. Remember that incident where some de- very strange device was generating traffic to all the IPs on the internet and nobody knew about it. If we, if we had a packet capture or a need in that environment, it would have been detected. Remember the fire service if you start it up and it warns you, it keeps ringing. Oh, I remember one time I had this nanny who didn't speak English 
and the alarm we were cooking and the oil got too hot you know when the oil gets hot start smoking and this alarm was being papa very annoyed it means they're so annoying that you could, it will wake you up from sleep and then the nanny goes oh, a noise 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 <laughs> Nice, nice, fire, fire, fire. Yeah, so, but then if uh, customers or clients are thinking, mm, you guys are talking about this networking social detection system, most people don't deploy this, you know, and it's even getting worse because now we are in the cloud, you know, that cloud where it's like walking without your feet. That's how I see the cloud. Like, you're there, but you're not really there. So, how do I deploy? What do I do? Most of the all these tools, they are like the ones that run Linux, Windows, they are running on machines. These machines, whether they are virtual or not, expose the interface, the sniffing interface to the actual network segment in the cloud where you need to capture it. That is if you are controlling that level of um, cloud deployment. Well, I think a lot of companies get, uh, a lot of organizations get overwhelmed. Uh, because what they'll do is they'll get, uh, you know, a network intrusion detection or prevention system and they'll plug it in and turn it on and it just starts setting off alarms everywhere because they deploy the default policies. So I think one common sense factor to remember is that the tool is only going to do what you tell it to do, right? So all the default policies, um, I, 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 I would plug the intrusion detection in, let it kind of learn and take a look at your network and I'd start immediately tuning that down or else I would take note of that. And then I would just turn all the policies off and start turning them back on one at a time. Um, and you're that, going to, yes. yeah, you're going to get to a point to where it's very manageable and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a definitive approach to deployment versus being overwhelmed. I've seen, Companies again and again do that. They'll deploy it, and it's making so much noise that it just becomes uh, a check the block on on their external audit. Right? Do you have an intrusion detection? Yes. Check the block. Yeah. Tick, 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 tick. I used to work as a QSA many years ago. Oh, you won't believe this. One company walked me off site because I didn't want to tick, 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 tick. I said, No, no, I'm not gonna pass you. You got people's payment cards and things out, you know, on your machine, not protected. My integrity will be at stake if I just take it for you. Anyway, never mind. That's a topic for another day. Now, still going back to this uh, deployment and deployment and you know making the most out of the network intrusion detection systems. It's not just they don't work on their own most of the time because if a company is rich in analysis, rich in data collection, rich in not necessarily investing in expensive technology. If they are, like if I receive something from my needs and then I match that to correlate that with things that, is, that are happening in my AV logs, happening on the firewall, things that are happening in other logs that I have I have ingested, I'm able to come to a very intelligent you know, decision on what is going on, when it started, you know, when it picked, where it's coming from. And then in addition to that, if the solution is backed up by threat intel, boom, I drop my butt, my mic. <laughs> I drop my mic on that one. Yeah. If there is threat intelligence and also speed coming into whatever, all of this coming together. So security is not just work in isolation. 
the support and the with collaboration, you get the best out of it. The key thing is to position the sensors where you will capture the traffic. Where are your most threats? People tend to look at only incoming traffic. Outgoing traffic is actually more important most of the time. Ask me why. If it's, if it's happening inside and it's talking out, at one point it has, it has spoken out. You have malware because, you know, domain, DGA domain generation algorithm uh, risk threats uh, happening on the network. They go out, they are trying to request, request something. Data exfiltration is going out. Okay, a lot of the time when we have these ransomware cases, oh, have we got backup? Oh, good, we have backup. What about that's a topic for another day, really? Data loss prevention. Your needs can actually help you with that if managed properly. Like Zeek, Silicata, they can detect. They can actually do further inspection and detect certain type of files in the traffic. And you can use that to set up a rule upstream. Well, yeah, yeah. Again, it goes back to the simple fact: uh, the network cannot lie. It'll try to lie, but it can't. So, if you're watching the network traffic, capturing it, and examining it, it it's you're always going to be able to yeah. see the truth. So, I wish we have. I wish our audience. You know, sometimes podcasts can be very isolating and lonely because you don't have that feedback from the participants or the listeners to. I would have loved to ask questions right now about, do you know what is running on your network? Some, some of the open source ones can do OS fingerprinting, you know? Do you know what is running in your environment? Do you know the applications that are running? What protocols that are running in your environment? Some of the standard the regulatory requirements, PCIDs, and some of them have all these requirements. Do you have to identify what is running in your environment application, why is listing, blah, blah, blah. If you network with, with the sensor, you can actually capture traffic to analyze, to see these are the applications that are high. Top talkers, this is running here, this is not, we don't need this here. So do you, I wish I can ask people and get that feedback in real time now. Do you know what is running in your environment? When you have a stealthy malware, that only talks out by 1 a.m. in the morning. You waste until you've gone to sleep. You ask them all, waste till 1 a.m. after midnight, different time zone. When he knows that people are asleep, nobody is watching, that's when he communicates. Yes, you have your firewall, you can, but your firewall doesn't really, except the new ones now, you know, I'm quite ancient, but we'll still have some of those ancient firewalls here and there. Firewall is not the same as a network intrusion detection system. Yeah. Uh, fire, again, I have kind of strong opinions on it. So, uh, I mean, there are a lot of great firewall and UTM technologies out there, right? But if you think about it, a firewall is just a router on steroids. It's got to either pass traffic through or not pass it, route through or not route it through, right? So... It's just one tool. Uh, you've yeah, got to have so multiple I, I layers. I remember there was a case that we dealt with a while back. We had to, because I didn't want to use a virtual machine sensor because um, they didn't have, I mean, the middle, in the middle of an incident, it's not really the time to start going to buy, you know, that big mesh server system that, that 
has a hypervisor that can do that and do that for you for intrusion detection. So we had to ship a hardware. We have to actually configure this system and ship out to the to another country in Europe. Within it took DH, not DH, I don't I can't remember which system, which which courier service. Within two days they had the system, which two days is a bit too long for me to, to wait to deploy uh, something like that during an incident. But it did get there eventually. As soon as it was plugged in, boom, on my screen, oh dot onion this, dot onion that, gibberish that, gibberish that. Oh, why is this system talking to that system? Because we've already pre-configured it. So I, I, I advise uh, the listeners, please, especially the small, medium-sized uh, companies, I mean, to get to that way long tells us about the bonanza that is coming. I think it is safe. I believe, I advise, I encourage you to deploy network intrusion detection system in your environment. Not during an incident. It's something that should be part of your architecture. Yes, it will generate a lot of traffic, but there are solutions that it, 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 before you get it, it sends you the, it doesn't throw the logs at you. It does the analysis, sends you the alert. But obviously, the alert is that a different thing. You get some 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 places alert. When I cry, something that looks like when I cry is over there. Mm, nobody's looking at it. Something that looks like. <laughs> What what is over there? Nobody's listening. So you still need to monitor. Yeah. For incident response, I find these tools very, very useful. Especially if you can even record some of the logs. So, so Aaron, you said to me, you know, I don't want us to leave without, I don't want you to change your mind, really. That's why I keep mentioning it. I know. Uh, I'm wavering. I don't like giving away uh, anything for free. Oh, like, ah, no, mm, mm, you're not doing that today. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know. No, no, no. Mama doesn't do wavering. So you said something to me. You said something to me. <laughs> about I did. Well, we, right. Well, well, we had also talked about, uh, I mean, what, what's, what's your number one advice, right? If, uh, if companies, suspect that they've got something anomalous going on or something they can't explain some type of uh, uh, even uh, what they think is malicious behavior. Uh, the first thing they need to do is to contact um, if they've got a DFIR digital forensic incident response retainer. The first thing to do is to contact whoever their provider is, whether it's us or someone else and get uh, subject matter experts on the phone and get their advice as quickly as possible. If it's nothing, then it's nothing, but better safe than sorry, right? Um, uh, come on, Aaron. Did you have anything on, to come add on, to come that? Come on, come on, Aaron, come on. You know that things are hard these days. We have cost of living crisis. We've got taxes going up all over the place. We're just recovering from COVID. So most companies even, you know, shut down. The, because of lack of business for sustained length of time. So I'm still nudging you. <laughs> what is that bonanza? Now I get it. And yeah, the listeners don't know that you do this to me every day. So. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, I so, in, 
We're NTT Limited's uh, DFIR team. That's us. We're global team. Um, from now until the end of the year, what we'll do is any company that contacts us uh, that doesn't have a contract with us, uh, we'll get on the phone with them and help them walk through any issue that they're seeing and help advise them on how to deal with that. Uh, and I'll offer five hours uh, for free. Only? <laughs> Only five. Best. So that'll be someone like someone like you, Zaza, um, who's well-known. Maybe someone like me. Uh, we've got people in the U.S. as well. Terrence Lillard, our U.S. principal, very well-known, uh, respected. Um, we've got Eric in Germany. We've got resources in Australia. Uh, anyone who any any organization or company who suspects they have an issue, they don't have a DFIR company or incident response company that they can go to right away. Uh, they can they can call or email us, and I'll let you give that information out, Zaza, and we'll give them five hours free. Okay, thank you. So, thank you for agreeing with what you promised the community. So, this is our way of supporting the community. It's even more important. If you contact us and you say, Zaza, we've deployed a network intrusion detection control. I mean, this is Christmas. This is not time to, to start investing in big, huge things. If you just deploy Suricata, or even Snot, and then start seeing this dodgy-looking stuff that you don't understand, or you understand, but you have no... You don't have enough resources right away, or you don't understand the essence of the compromise you need and holding, you need a DFI company. Contact your DFI company. It doesn't have to be entity, but on our part, I have managed to convince my very wonderful, generous boss, Aaron Card, to offer five hours DFI support from my team. For that first call, when you call, we can, sometimes a food incident can be resolved in two hours, depending on what it is. But be ready to make logs available and have information for us. If you do require that service, oh, I do wish you would deploy the network intrusion detection control if you haven't done that already. But if you have already done that, you, 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 you hunt, hunt in that environment. If you find something that looks dodgy, really, really like very really bad mama jammers, what do you do? Just email us at ntts.dfir.global.entity and we'll see how we can support you. This is not a, a sales gimmick because as you all know, I don't know how to sell anything. My manager yeah. is not a salesperson. We're just trying to give back to the community uh, and support yeah, the community. It, 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 will make our, yeah, it, it will make our podcast worth it. Thank you very much for your time, Aaron. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, again, that address is ntts.dfir at global.ntt. Um, call us. We'll give you five hours free help if you need it. No, hey, thanks, Zaza. Thanks, everybody, uh, for jumping on the podcast. Uh, again, we've got the free offer, so if we can help you, we will. Yeah, thank you, Chris, for letting me <laughs> talking my grunch, crunchy voice. <laughs> Bye. Okay. See you. Thanks a lot.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Cybertech Talks. And thank you very much to Zaza and Aaron for sharing their expertise on network intrusion detection systems for incident response. You can find resources and links in the podcast show notes. And for another podcast episode with Zaza, check out our previous episode on BitLocker ransomware prevention, detection and response. We look forward to bringing you more episodes with cyber experts. Make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on Twitter and LinkedIn for further updates. This podcast is brought to you by Crest, an international not-for-profit membership body representing the global cybersecurity industry.